I got close enough to the river that I couldn't hear the trucks, but not close enough to stop the roaring of my mind. your uh, just before how was your camping oh it was fine it's, it feels like a million years ago now but it was good uh may i ask where you went i don't camp camp yeah where'd you go camp? we went to the ocean to the pacific ocean um yeah on the olympic peninsula that sounds i'm i'm terrified of camping <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like uh, I like diners and um, bars, and I like to be able to walk yeah. to them. That's sort of that's sort of my thing. I I, I just I noticed um, I was I was listening to your first new albums this year. How you put out two records in a year? That's kind of a little un. That's a pretty big creative burst. There, would you not say? Yeah, I, it took me a while to put them together, but yeah, they, I decided to. It probably could have been one long album, but I start. I didn't want to do that again. You, you have like a huge body of work. I mean, is it just? Are you kind of like a workaholic? Is it nonstop with you? And you, on top of it, you're a photographer. And do you paint as well? I do. It's. I haven't been doing that so much recently. I. I guess I might be a workaholic, although I don't feel like one. I feel like I am slacking a lot, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I I stay busy. Are you are you hard on yourself in that sort of way? I think maybe I don't not hard on myself, but maybe uh, I feel put, like rushed. I run everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta run from task to task, and it's probably unnecessary. I just feel like, or I put too much on my plate. I don't know. I'm working on it. Is it is it sort of like, uh, oh my god, I'm gonna die someday. I gotta get this shit out there. <laughs> sort of. I gotta no, create my mortality. It's more like, I want to do a good job at each thing. I don't want to like cut corners, and so um, places where I could probably cut corners and it would be fine. I tend to not let myself do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm in a constant state of just kicking myself, which is really not a healthy place to be, but it's like, yeah, I just, I write as well, and it's just, it's constantly, like, never enough, and yeah. every waking second, I'm like, I should be working, like, if I'm drinking a beer, I'm like, this isn't working, this is drinking beer, you should be working, is that... It's true, it's not a healthy psychological state to be in, but also I think it can be effective, like, you know, if that's what gets you to work, if that's the motivating force, then I think it's still better than, not, than like, I don't know, working the night shift, restocking the cereal at the grocery store and watching DVDs and, like, and then aging and dying. At least you're doing something. <laughs> at least you're driven, you know? Yeah, I think uh, I, I did that job for a while, and... Uh... I also was a file clerk at an insurance company, and all I thought of when I was working there was, now I know why people beat their wives, because they're miserable. Yeah. 
God. Yeah. I'm not that I condone wife beating, but I was like, oh, I, I fucking get this part of America that drinks himself to death and hates their children. Right. No, it's true. It makes sense. Um, now, how, like, you have, would you say that you have a unique style of music? Because personally, and I would, I think I've never heard anything like your music and not to be over ass kissy but i mean i really have a great respect for what you do well thanks <laughs> you're welcome uh I, I don't know i don't know why it comes out the way it does yeah i mean it's an effort I, to try and make something that is unique but well i was just gonna say i don't i don't want i am concerned about not wanting to make something that is um already available yeah i because i i usually when you listen to people's music you can spot influences and be like oh they they listen to a lot of this guy and i Mm -hmm. find your what you do incredibly unique like i can't tag anybody along in it is that my ignorance or like what was sort of the influence to to the sound that you got is that an answerable question yeah i think so i I think there's a formula, at least for my intentions. Usually on my albums, I can kind of pinpoint the phase that I was going through, what I was attempting to recreate, but it's not, it's usually like kind of a mashup of a few things and that's what makes it sound unique. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like uh, some light piano music with some black metal and some stereo lab or whatever. Uh, It's just a, and then inevitably, I'm not capable of recreating anything. So the distortion and the the failure to rip people off ends up sounding original. <laughs> well, that, yeah. Do you ever feel? Have you ever been like, I'm gonna write a real catchy pop tune and hit the hit them fucking charts? <laughs> I mean, uh, sometimes, sometimes I'll try and make a thing that is not a catchy pop tune, and definitely not intending to um, climb the charts or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, sometimes I want to make one that is poppy and catchy. Not that I have the skills to just turn it on and off, but that can be my intention sometimes. Yeah. Would you, I mean, a lot of people sort of... Do you feel like that, that people get a sort of a preconceived notion of you as an individual? Because based out of your music because i mean i've seen other interviews with you and you you seem like a very glib happy centered fellow but there's a definite uh darkness or sort of a bleakness to a lot of your music and do you feel like it's it's, true that's definitely a a thing that has always been there it's um either like the bleak personality and that's been um that's been dissipating Ever since I used to um, try and keep my joke writing stuff, like my my funny tweets or my <laughs> cartoons that I draw, I used to try and keep that really anonymous. But in the past five years or so, I've uh, I don't care so much. It uh, it's fine. For some reason, I used to feel like that couldn't exist in the same world as my serious music. But um, yeah, I it, there was also this persistent thing that people would always assume that I lived like a super nature-based life and pastoral, just like smelling flowers and looking at clouds and shedding a tear and writing a poem. Uh, Yeah, one could get that. I mean, I get a lot of people think I'm like angry and bitter, which I'm I'm not angry. I mean, I'm angry at uh, the a lot of the bullshit that goes on in the world, but I don't spend my days just calling everybody a cocksucker. Yeah. Uh, but that'd be exhausting. <laughs> it would be. And I, I would imagine that you probably, your fans, do they get, when you do something humorous like that, did they react weirdly to it? Or cause sometimes if I try to do something like positive, uh, People are like, oh, what's fucking wrong with you suddenly? <laughs> it's, I was like, I'm not, I don't hate everything. I just have issues with the, our politics. <laughs> but, well, yeah, and the answer is that we're all complicated people. We're all like fully dimensional 
uh, people with nobody is uh, that shallow to be able to be summed up in one thing. Fortunately, I mean, and so I think that the more confusing, the better, because that's closer to the reality of what it is to be a person. We we're complicated. Yeah, but people like to pigeonhole us, and uh, you, and I'm meaning specifically you and I, everybody's against us. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to make you paranoid, but the world is, and you and I need to get some shotguns and change some fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you, are you down for some shotgunning? Just maybe start a militia, get a compound. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine you like do you, what you live. What is this? Do you live in? I forget the town you live in. It's but it's like it's called Anacortes. Yeah, that's is that we can just base out of there and and take over the country. That'd be cool. It's on an island, so it kind of has a natural moat that oh, we can use. <laughs> this is perfect. And then you yeah. can uh, then once we rule this country, you can write the national anthem, and you can make a new one every goddamn week. <laughs> I think of the political movement that I've been leaning more towards is seceding, not not taking over, but seceding this small island nation, or maybe joining Canada. I don't know. There's not that much support around here for that idea, but possible. You uh, you went and didn't you went and vanished in Denmark for a while? Did you not? Or vanished is kind of a strong word. No, I vanished. It was Norway. Norway. I did vanish for was like nine years ago or something, but I spent a winter there alone. Just you, with n- never seeing anybody, or vaguely? pretty much. I mean, I I lived in a really remote area by myself, so I never saw anyone when I was there. But I did have to take the bus into town every uh, two weeks or so to get groceries. So I saw people in town. I saw the bus driver and the people at the grocery store, and then I would go back out. Also, it was snowy, and I was dressed all in white to try and literally vanish. That was my intention. Was there was there a, a subtext to this journey, or did it just sort of happen, or were you like, I'm going to go and do uh, vanish and just not? Because I can go a long time without seeing people myself, and and I'm pretty pleased when I do so. But that's yeah. that's pretty intense. That's like a that's a haul. Yeah, it was it was an extreme version of that 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 thing that people do want, of wanting to be alone. I I don't know. Yeah, it was a fantasy that I had since high school that I wanted to. I used to think that I was going to move to a, just a random small town in like Maine and just be anonymous and like rent an apartment and I don't know work on my projects and maybe slowly get to know people but maybe not and it just kind of morphed into this idea of ending a tour uh getting a, like a one-way ticket and ending a tour in europe uh, in norway and um my, my plan was to never come back my plan was to like just move there forever and make a new life you- i was 20 uh 24 years old i don't know it was kind of like I needed to do something crazy with my life. I didn't know what else was going on. Did you? Was it? Was there sort of? Was there a depression involved in this? Because, or was it just? Not really. I mean, it, there was. It wasn't planned. <laughs> it wasn't a planned depression. I. You know but, what? Uh, I schedule all mine. I'm very busy. And it's like yeah. Tuesday. I'm going to be depressed, and I'm going to lay on my floor naked, and that's that's. Yeah. I get it out of the way, and then I get back to work. Yeah, totally. Snap what? out of it. Throw some clothes on. <laughs> Shave. <laughs> what? But what did yeah. you? How did you spend your time when you were? Because I'm assuming you couldn't speak the native tongue as well. So I mean, you, I mean, you were really in an isolated mode. Did you just spend your days uh, like? What would you wake up and be like? I guess I'm just going to sit in this house again. <laughs> like, how? Pretty much. Yeah. It, it was. I had work to do because uh, there were just chores in order to live there, like uh, collecting firewood and getting water and melting down snow. Because it was winter and it was really north of Norway. And so I had to have a fire going all the time. And um, I had to gather wood and it was just a slow... Also, there wasn't very much daylight. 
because it was so far north. And so, yeah, whenever it was light in the sky, I would have to go out and get wood. Mostly I read a lot. I read a lot of books. I wrote songs, talked to myself, went crazy, wrote <laughs> in my journal a lot. It's like a weird uh, Jack London meets Ingmar Bergman type experience. Yeah. It was awesome. I mean, I recommend it for anyone. It was like my perception of time and space changed in a really psychedelic way because there's no frame of reference and the daylight moves. There's just no task and no nothing for, you know, a month. And, um, yeah, everything just slowed down in this really intense way. And then coming back from it, and I remember, like, taking the train from there back to Oslo and being in the city again and seeing people, like, seeing the real world. It just was all so mind-blowing and refreshing. And that kind of euphoria lasted a while. It lasted maybe a year. I kind of forgot it now, but it's interesting. It an amazing psychological reset. Yeah, it sounds pretty, like a, in an odd way, like a spiritual and mental rebirth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I had a, one of those once when I got plowed by a car. <laughs> Whoa. But it's like, and then there was this brief moment, there was like a couple months where it was almost like I was high and like, yeah. and this very embracing living in the present and not giving a fuck about my finances or all the those things that you perceive as important, which frankly aren't. But and then I was like, I'll never forget this. <laughs> and then yeah. and then I think I didn't get a part on something, and I returned to being my selfish, uh, self-absorbed asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and but well, it's super challenging to hold on to that kind of kernel because the reality of day-to-day existence in the real life is there's so many distractions and it's just impossible maybe and i would say that uh most people are probably and i include myself in that more distracted than ever uh with yeah with i mean i can't fucking spend two seconds of my day without seeing who tweeted some fucking worthless garbage <laughs> yeah but and, no i know it it's a challenging time yeah it's um are you familiar with who Robert Thurman is? Who ha- actually happens to be Uma Thurman's dad? No. Oh, he's a he's a very uh, a scholar of Buddhism and whatnot. And he was just saying that uh-huh. equating to these times is uh, very dark times. That this is an actual yeah. a dark age. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I agree. And that's probably why you'd like to get away. That sort of resets that. If you could keep in that state of mind, though, you, you people would probably lock you up. Uh, Maybe. Well, I think that there are people that walk around that you see, and they end up, when you see them walking around, they look like just really annoying, spaced-out hippies. Because it it is kind of, it doesn't work with um, the the world we live in, necessarily, to just be that slow and that, um, I don't know, present and and neutral. I I used to... uh... I used to mock that quite a bit, uh, yeah. and and sort of hippie mentality, and now I've I've found myself becoming that, <laughs> and I there's value to it for sure. Yeah, and uh, to great I greatly question all the things that I've spent my life putting importance on. Uh, it's because uh, it just ends up making you feel empty. Yeah, <laughs> we got real deep there, Phil. Well, yeah, it's, we're we're only alive once, so we're, I want to do a good job at it. I don't want to waste it. Yeah, I like only only doing my funny tweets and watching my cool DVDs. What DVDs are you? Probably more. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, I um I end up watching a lot of TV and, and movies while I'm doing my um like record label work. I do a lot of stuffing records and packing mail order, and that's when I consume my media. You do, and you, what was the impetus for you to start your own label? Because was it, originally were you, did you not start with K Records, or am I wrong in that assumption? No, that, that's true. That's true. I did. I worked with them for, I don't know, five, six years. Um, 
Yeah, in 2004, I wanted to start putting out my own records. Just, I had some packaging ideas that I wanted to try that I didn't, I just wanted to do all of that type of manufacturing coordination myself because I was really curious about it and I wanted to try weird stuff like giant posters and books and all these other things that didn't really fit in with the economics or the the framework of K or any other label. And also, yeah, just, you know, ethically, like, super self-sustainable way. I wanted to see how DIY I could be. Well, it's it's highly impressive. And you have other bands on your label, no? Or is it it's you? Is it... Not really. I mean, that, I put out a couple of records of friends, at, mostly just as experiments or because the records needed to come out and no one else was going to do it. But... It, uh, it's not a real record label. It's just like a brand that I put on my own projects. Do you, do you find like the current climate of uh, like music, does it upset you or do you just not even participate in it? Because it's... Uh, what do you mean? Like uh, the way people... The, I guess... The, the economics of it? Yeah. And the, and the... I mean, it seems like nowadays it's... Is it harder for people to get like acknowledged or is it... Like, I have friends who are in bands for, like, 20 years, and it's like they just kind of are getting known. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. And they're, like, pop, semi-popular, but it's like they just don't get the nod from the, the man, so to speak. Yeah. No, it definitely is a harder time, I think. I, I think I have the luxury of having started a little bit before the Internet was such a huge uh, component to how people relate to music and art but um and so I had this pre-existing momentum that I've kind of been able to just keep rolling through all these challenging developments but yeah there seems to just be such an overabundance of everything I've just been reading this recent book that came out about K Records called Love Rock Revolution and it's been kind of amazing for me to think about early punk and its transition into the modern day and like what it all means kind of uh, and what was important at the beginning and how that has shifted I don't know it's it's a baffling time because in the early 80s and the late 70s underground music and punk music was there was so little of it and everyone was so disconnected and there was this desperation to connect with the, you know, the Olympia scene, Minneapolis scene, with the New York scene, just these little pockets. But now the reality we live in is all possible underground is now overground and totally available and everywhere and overabundant. And so what what do we do now, now that that's no longer... Yeah, like avail- uh, yeah, it's tricky. It doesn't seem like there can be a scene anymore that, and I think you know, part like when you're young and you attach yourself to like whatever, like you said, the Minneapolis or Olymp- you, you know, you you sort of are putting your person, you're attaching your personality to that or identity, mm-hmm. so to speak, and that doesn't that doesn't really seem to happen anymore. Or and it's like no, not, not at all. And not to use the ugly word, but like the, now the like what a hipster is now to what a hipster was in in any other era is a compl- now yeah. it's just this homogenized weird thing of of like hey look at me we're opposed yeah. where it used to be you know it it came out of certain things and it came out of reaction it, there was like almost a creativity to it and a reaction and it was about something and now it's just everything just seems to have gotten sort of like this bleh, that's the only i don't have a word for it it just seems like bleh, here's stuff Here's some more stuff. Yeah. And well, yeah, hipster or like underground artist band person. It's just one of one of many different um, costumes that you can choose at the costume store. <laughs> it, it's it, it, where it used to be kind of a message of, of subversion or like opposition to what the normal world was. Now it's just normal like at a certain point the people in the high school who were forming bands and and figuring out how to put on a show at their 
local coffee shop or, or Grange Hall or whatever, those were the weirdos. But then at a certain point it shifted where that it was the popular kids who were doing that and it was just normal. I, I mean, at least that's my perception. That it's, it's pretty normal. It's funny. I was, uh, my friend and I were at this music fest last summer and he, we were w- watching a band and he, he looks at the band and he looks at the audience and he looks back at the band and he goes, I remember when the people on stage used to be the weird dressed ones and now uh-huh. it's reversed. And it was told like the entire audience was, everybody was in a weird costume and the guys uh-huh. on stage were in jeans and a t-shirt and it was like, it totally flipped. And yeah. I don't know what that is exactly a statement of, but it's like, well, I guess it's what you just said. It's the, it's become cool to be the weird guy or whatever. Yeah. Or, yeah, it's just no, like the idea that uh, you can participate in, in culture and make a band and put on shows is no longer a subversive idea. Everyone knows about it. I yeah. don't know if that's true. That's my perception. But uh, maybe I'm wrong. It It just seems that way. It seems like it's no longer groundbreaking to... Um, Ah, I I guess I, as I'm saying this, I disagree with myself <laughs> because not that many people are actually doing it, making things happen in their towns. It, it is still kind of rare. Yeah, but it does seem like we live in an era of where everybody sort of has this entitlement to a to be famous and b to be creative because everybody's got a blog, everybody's got a, everybody takes photos. <laughs> it's like it's like you, you can't you can't not everybody can do it. I'm sorry. Everybody yeah. thinks they can't. I don't know if that seems assholeish on my behalf, but, you know, it's like uh, we spend years honing something and now everyone's like, ah, I'm going to write a movie. <laughs> it's like, no, you can't. Yeah, Maybe it's just that the definition of fame and notoriety has shifted because everyone has a forum. Everyone can upload their YouTube video. So, um, so now everyone is famous. So now what? Like now, fame is no longer uh, a rare thing. So it becomes redefined and trashy. And also, yeah, like reality TV. Now our celebrities are just like th- these horrible people who <laughs> who we hate. <laughs> everyone hates them, and that's what they're for. Oh, it's a weird. I wonder if it's going to get, if this is a phase that our world is having, or if it's just going to get worse. <laughs> well, that, that movie, Idiocracy, yeah. you know that one? Yeah. It's so dark how accurate it was as like a documentary, not as a comedy movie, but just as like a prophecy of of what will happen and what is happening. It just, however long ago it came out, 10 years or something it it just seems to be coming true every day yeah yeah i i, I try a lot i i stay up on politics and all that stuff and just this morning i was thinking i don't know if i can keep doing this because i'm i'm gonna go insane like it's yeah it's like if you went and like to the burn ward every day and just looked at tragedy <laughs> 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 and then you're like okay i gotta go about my day yeah uh, <laughs> yeah, gnarly, gnarly times. Gnarly, gnarly times. Um, I was gonna ask, like, did you come from a creative sort of family, or did were you? What was like? What was that? Your childhood like that sort of pushes you? It was. It, it was like it was kind of creative. Music was around. It but it wasn't. Um, nobody else has taken it as seriously as I have but yeah my dad has always like played music with his jam buddies and was it like 60s uh, jam 60s jam like like when you said jam buddies like I just imagined like 60s jam bands <laughs> oh uh yeah but more casual they you know play covers play Bob Dylan and Neil Young songs around the fire out in the woods um on Wednesdays <laughs> whatever <laughs> Um, yeah music and art were always around and it was always just a thing that you could do but you know it wasn't a thing that it was encouraged for me to do as a career and I never intended to do it as a career anyways 
how did that how did that sort of did you just sort of trip into everything because yeah kind of i mean i was i would be doing it anyways it's just a lucky fluke that i happened to be able to do it and not have to have another job at the moment but it just kind of grew naturally out of being a teenager and making zines and tapes and selling 20 copies and putting that money towards the next thing it just kind of expands into making 2,000 copies of the next thing and and figuring out how to distribute it a little more efficiently and making more ambitious projects each time when you when you make an album or something is it all uh, how does how do you go about promoting because if yourself if it's all yourself doing it is it I mean, you're not taking out ads in in the New York Times, obviously. No, but sometimes I do hire a freelance publicist to do that type of stuff if I can afford it or if it's a release that I feel deserves it. Sometimes the release is just a minor thing, just a piece of trash that I'm releasing. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't, you know, maybe doesn't need to have the big publicity push. Yeah, I don't know. I don't do any of that stuff. What was one of the albums that you were like? This is uh, this is this is the one. Uh, Wind's poem. I was one I tried to push pretty hard, and also Lost Wisdom Lost, came before it. I uh, was really blown away by that album. It's really goddamn astounding, and I've, I turned a lot of people onto that album because I was like, "You gotta fucking hear this." <laughs> well, and, thanks. Uh, and no one disagreed with me. Everyone has been really. Uh, impressed by your musical wares. Awesome. Well, and thanks for um, doing my PR work for me. <laughs> hey, it's no problem. It's more of just because, I mean, it's to me, it's what you do is very unique, and it's it's something I embrace personally, and it sort of speaks to me as an individual. So I'm like, you know, it's like I'm sure you do that with music you love, too, where you're like, hey. Yeah, totally. Who is Who are some of the people? Like, what is... What like who do you draw inspiration from musically, or who do you like discover recently that you're like this guy's the, he's the shit? Uh, gosh. Uh, I my the way that I discover new music is so random, and I just don't kind of I, I don't <laughs> listen to that much music recently. But um, I should say that uh, that record Lost Wisdom is with Julie Dwaron. And um, it was kind of this crazy fluke that we got to make that record at all. Because in high school, I was obsessed with her band, Eric's Trip, and just a, the hugest fan. They, they're the band that kind of got me into the idea of recording myself and and this the idea that I could do it all and make these crazy-sounding recordings and that that was a valid way to have things sound. So... I was a big fan of hers, and I got to know her a little bit through just playing shows together occasionally. And she was passing through Anacortes and had a day off on her tour, and I said, hey, well, why don't you guys, you know, stay at my house and we can record this thing. You know, real casual, like, I just have these extra songs, and we recorded that in a day just really quick. And um, it was never intended to be a record. It just was a lucky coincidence. And so... Yeah, it was thrilling to get to do that, spend that day recording with my hero. It's, it's, that's, I, I, don't, I don't know, like I always get in this, when I work with people that I've uh, greatly admired, it's always surreal to me, and like I can't believe it's happening. <laughs> like is that how, yeah. even though you're, like, you're a well-accomplished guy, is that still where you're, like, you're recording with her and you are kind of got to be like, are you kidding me? Yeah, kind of. But also it wasn't, we had gotten to know each other a little bit before then and, you know, spent shows together or whatever. So it wasn't wasn't the first time of hanging out, fortunately. I, I don't know if I would have kept my cool if it was the first time. Yeah. I uh, I but, did yeah. I did a thing a couple months ago when I it was I was on stage with Wayne Kramer and David Yao and it was perplexing to me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And David Yao fucked my leg, so I got, I got... I got that to thank God for because <laughs> we were doing a fundraiser and I just I said to the audience if someone I'll dry hump anyone if they or if someone lets me dry hump them I'll donate a thousand dollars and David Yao ran out and started humping me 
Wow, nice. Uh, <laughs> sad news is I don't have a thousand dollars. Oh no! <laughs> so we'll just have to pretend that I gave that money. Oh God! <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right, I'm willing to pretend that. Okay, good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever like been approached to score films or anything? Because it seems to me like your music, in a lot of ways, is naturally cinematic. Or have you? Has anybody? It, have, it has come up. Yeah, a couple of not anything major, but a lot of uh, people working on school projects, movies, short movies, mm-hmm. and then a couple of short films, like semi-professional short films. I'm into the idea. I have a difficult time collaborating, especially on that conceptual level. I think for the most part, my ideas, I'm pretty attached to them and the context that they're going to be put in. Ultimately, I would love to make my own movies. That was kind of what I did before I got into music. And that's always what I thought I was going to do with my life. But um, I haven't gotten there yet. Have you made any shorts or, 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 or have you ever made a video for any of your stuff? I just recently did make my first video, uh, and it's it was an experiment, and it was but it was super fun. Yes, yeah, just me walking around looking at stuff, and uh, I dig a hole, and then I make some coffee, and I pour the coffee in the hole, and then that's the grand finale. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Because your photography is pretty astounding. I was looking at that earlier today as well. Um, so I'd, Thanks. I would imagine you would be it, a natural filmmaker. I I think that I think about music in that way, too. That's um, just kind of how I think about it. It's super visual when I'm making a record. There's always a visual counterpart to the idea that I'm working on. So it's just a matter of coordinating people and resources making movies is complicated expensive yeah i guess with the old digital it's they make it a lot easier these days but i don't know a goddamn thing about it i wish i i wish i could i i like you i I, it's hard to collaborate with people it's yeah especially because i'm always right phil and uh, (laughs) yeah me too that's weird i am also i just so you know i'll let you if when you and i take over the country i'll you get final say because i'm also i'm not into arguing i'm just i'm not into confrontation that's gonna be tough we're if we're both always right Uh, yeah, you just you could throw whiskey at me, and I'll just I'll shut up real quick. Okay, good to know. So you know, you now you know how to overthrow the government when it's you and me. Just some whiskey. I mean, that's what the English did to the Irish to begin with. They just fed them uh-huh. fed them booze, and then they took over. Well, we should try that now in you know U.S. government. Get some whiskey trucks, drive them to D.C. <clears throat> yeah. Have you, you don't, you never political in your music at all, are you? <clears throat> Excuse me. There was a phase where I was trying to be a little more overt about, not political exactly, but just trying to see if I could use my uh, time in front of the microphone to change the world or something in a direct way rather than an abstract poetic way. <laughs> Did you? But yeah, in hindsight, that the songs that I wrote during the, that period was—they're a little embarrassing now. Something kind of—I uh, don't know—cocky about telling people what to do. Yeah, my early performing years were. Uh, <clears throat> a friend of mine has a videotape of me that it's just fucking embarrassing. <laughs> I yeah. can't I have to leave the room he like Mox puts it on every time I come over and I'm like I can't like I'll leave I can't watch this I was all long haired are you, are you like telling me being preachy or something oh yeah and I, I'm quoting Noam Chomsky yeah, <laughs> just, uh-huh. just a real the, the truth is like we still have those wishes right like we I would still love for people to um, do what I want them to do you know I have some things that some views that i think would improve the world but you almost have to trick people into it or like communicate your thing in a in a backwards poetic way yeah you know what i mean yeah i don't think most people are going to respond to uh preaching yeah. 
I think. Blo- well, it, I, it, yeah, it worked for Minor Threat or, or Fugazi or something. Yeah, maybe it's either that route or the Weather Underground, and I don't want to go to prison. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> so you're embarking on a, a tour very soon, are you not? And do I hear seagulls, or am I insane? No, you hear them. I decided to sit near my back door next to the phone. I, I don't know if you're experiencing any distortion. I hope not. But no. my landline has got some problems. But yeah, seagulls are here. I am going on tour pretty soon, in a week and a half or something, a long tour. I got a new band. We've been practicing a lot. Um, and you you rarely go out with a full band, is that not correct? Or? It's different every time. Uh, every every tour, I try and make it a different uh, show. How? But yeah. How big is this, this is a new one? How big is this tour? And you're coming to L.A., which I, I'm, I've never seen you live actually. So I'm going to do that. I promise. Yeah, we're coming to L.A. We're it's pretty big. Five and a half weeks or so. Damn. Does that get exhausting? Or do you enjoy it? I really like it, but it, does, it is long. That's on the long side for me. Uh, I live in a small town, and nothing much happens here. And so it's kind of a crucial component for me, being able to live here, is being able to leave and have this whirlwind of social activity in the exciting big cities. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. Is, what is the general makeup of your town? Is it like a working-class fisherman town? or is it... Originally it was. It was uh, the salmon canning capital of the world, and a lot of, all the fishing boats for Alaska. I mean, not all of them. A lot of them left from here. And But uh, the salmon are all gone, and the logs are all, the trees are all cut down. Jeez. So now it's just tourism. Mostly. That's uh, capitalism at its finest right in, in, in your town. We got them all. I <laughs> ate the last salmon. It was delicious. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. So didn't, did, did a lot of people evacuate the town after that? Because I'm assuming the jobs split as well. Yeah, I think that was in the 60s. Um, and there was there was a kind of a lull. There was a big boom in, around the turn of the century and then another big boom in the 20s, I think. But uh, it's growing back. There's a lot of tourist traffic for the San Juan Islands because the ferry is here. So people come through for that. And there's a big oil refinery. Oh, good. Good. In. good oil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they're uh, keeping away from the water. We just had a big oil fire in, outside of L.A., which I guess really fucked some shit up. Yeah, I know. It's it's ominous because the islands around here, there's all these narrow passages with shifting tides and winds. and There's always these giant tankers going through. It could Any day, it could just, this cata- catastrophic oil spill could happen. But Can't, that's 2012. Yeah, it is. Um, where are you playing in Los Angeles, by the way? Uh, Center for the Arts Eagle Rock. Oh, fuck. I can't. Or e- Eagle Rock Center for the Arts or whatever. I'm walkable from that. That's good news. Nice. We're playing also a second smaller show at a small gallery called Public Fiction the next day after. This is all early October. Um, well, I will, uh, I will come to the, uh, the Center of the Arts Eagle Rock. My, cool. my ex-girlfriend used to work there, so I could get a little emotional, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Perfect. I might, I might need your shoulder if that's cool. Yeah, you got it. Well, um, thank you very much. That's. Uh, would you like to give your website information and all these things so people can um, go and buy your things? Sure. In- instead of illegally stealing them online. Do, does that? Sure. How, does that? As a musician, does that irk you? I'd never have gotten to ask a musician that about the downloading stuff that goes on. Yeah, it does probably, but uh, it's I don't know. It's the world we live in. It's how things are, and so I try and make things that are worth buying. I try and make really nice packaging and stuff. That seems that's my solution at least, and not try and um, make people feel guilty or anything because just the reality. But yeah, I was actually I, I try and make nice looking records. You do the the uh, Mount Erie. 
Microphones album I had, I which I realized this morning I don't have anymore, which was upsetting. But it was a that was a pretty astounding cover, as I remember. It, it was like different kinds of paper and whatnot, and it was what? yeah. We so had to sew those with sewing machines. I got everyone in my family together and got, had the whole assembly line. <laughs> it took forever. It was horrible. That uh, that album was actually that was the first time I I heard your stuff, and I was I still listen to that just sit there and it's one of those albums you just sit and listen and uh it's goddamn it's i don't know i would say you're a genius and then that's uh in my book i don't throw that word around thank you very much <laughs> i'm flattered i i mean nice. it's uh there's you know there's very few people in music that no one fucking sounds like and that would like no there's no one comes near what you do and it's i don't think anybody could even attempt it which is i think uh you know there's a there's a handful of them people out there so thank you for the musics you've made well thanks for the uh compliments <laughs> you're welcome and uh what is the website again pw elverum and son is the name of my label i'm gonna spell it out now P-W-E-L-V-E-R-U-M-A-N-D-S-U-N.com is my website. I don't have any other websites either. It's just that one. It's just that one. And we'll, uh, we'll put that, uh, we'll, uh, uh, we'll post it on our site and all that stuff. And I, uh, cool. Thank you very much, Phil. I'll see you in a couple months in Los Angeles, I hope. Great. Yeah, thanks for talking to me. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. If you enjoyed the show, please uh, donate some money. We, we run on a real fucking skimpy budget around here, and I currently lose money for doing these. So if you want to donate some money, you can. You can go to the website there and donate to me. And if you don't can't donate, I know these times are tough. Uh, go to our Amazon link and just purchase some movies. Or uh, I just bought the Howard Zinn Reader. You could buy that, and then you, you go through the site there on my page and go through the Amazon link, and I get a small portion of that money. I get a small portion of that money. If you like the show, uh, please uh, write a review on iTunes or tweet about it and Facebook about it. Uh, tell people about it. Help me. Help me. Help me. I need your help. Just help me get more listeners, okay? It's me. It's me we're talking here. I'm, I'm your good old friend. Help me out. Things haven't been going so well. I eat a lot of uh, canned goods. <laughs> Help me out and spread the word of my show. Help me out, would you? Um, also, uh, go to the you know go to the feralaudio.com website and listen to uh, the other shows on there. Uh, Johnny Pepperton's got a real good show. There's Dong Teeny. I know. Uh, please be my girlfriend. I know. I kind of tend to. Uh, oh, uh, uh, the Ellie and Georgia got a show on there. Yeah, I just took a bite of an almond. Uh, <laughs> but uh, listen to them. Let's see. Uh, I can't. Oh, you could uh, e- email me. Email me at uh, conversationswithdewire at gmail.com. If you're mad at me and you hate my, my point of view, tell me about it. Or send me some love notes. And, or, and follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore Dewire. And uh, go to Phil Overham's website there and listen to some of his music and buy some of his music. And, uh, and be pretty. And be pretty in everything you do, people. Be pretty. Be pretty. When you sleep, be pretty. When you pee, be pretty. When you poop, and be pretty for me. <laughs> All right, people. Um, take care of one another, would you? And uh, power to the people. Be pretty. And uh, you know what? Question things. Just go deeper. Go deep. Just dig under shit and find some garbage and throw it in the man's face. Thank you. I love you. Screaming wind said my name. I think significant and dark. My lost face in the mirror at the gas station Who are you but my face that I wake up with alone? Lost wisdom Approaching the shape in the low light Thunder, lightning, tidal wave, the wind blew down.
down the door, lost wisdom. The river goes through the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.